So Hot Girl Summer is officially over. How successful would you say you were in Hot Girl Summer? First of all, summer is not over yet. It is, as the date of this recording, September 12th. So technically we've got nine more days of Hot Girl Summer. And I intend to make up for all of my <laughs> lukewarm, yeah, tepid girl summer. Ugh, you had tepid girl summer. No, that's not true. I feel like you had hot girl summer in some instances. I had drunk bitch summer, unfortunately, but we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. I think that that's true for you. I think everyone had hot girl summer because it was absurdly hot and very gross. Yeah, it was super gross. Yeah. Hard pass on climate change. <laughs> Just I'm not into it. I can't do it anymore. It gets too fucking hot. There's no AC in Vancouver. Like, what a nightmare. I know. We're not prepared. Just like the snow. We're all such... No. Vancouver is just a fair weather folk. As a fair weather folk, I... Yeah, it's true. What can you do? <sighs> but now, in my mind, at least, summer is over. I'm wearing jeans today for the first time in, like, literally months it's very strange it's nice it's good i'm very much looking forward to the sweater season of course sweater season is the best it's cozy time yesterday at work a guest told me that they made a pumpkin pie cheesecake and i was like hells yes you did getting right up into spoopy season yes spoops love it so why have we returned from hot girl summer what is the point of all of this what are we talking about marika we are back. Well, it's pantry staples, everybody, which we should have said at the top. But of course we didn't. We like to leave you hanging and wondering what you clicked on, even though you were the one who opened this podcast. Maybe it autoplays. You don't know what people do. That's true. I don't. I hate it when my podcast apps just play. <laughs> That's fair. That is very annoying. Um, this is the podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. <laughs> I am Marika. And I'm Emily. And this is the first episode of season three, where we are going to be discussing food disasters. What do we mean by that? Many a thing. Limited plans, mostly feelings. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about things where food actually was the disaster. We're going to talk about times when food was a disaster to one person, to many people, or just what the food looked like in certain other kinds of disasters. If that makes sense-ish. Yeah. Sure. That's the yes. gist. We're going into uncharted territory. We're changing up our format a little bit. Um, so rather than splitting up the history, because there's not an early or a late history in uh, most disasters. It's kind of a one moment in time. So we're going to do a uh, trade them back and forth. So this is going to be an Emily episode. Oh, the pressure is on. <laughs> and what are we talking about for this episode? We are talking about one of the most significant in modern history uh, food disasters that you probably don't even know about. But it is the snail and the ginger bear. Just kidding. You know about it if you've taken any first year law class or like any sort of any sort of law class at all. Which is not me because I have no idea. I've never heard of this story before. Really? You didn't take anything? I took like law and society or something like that in second year. It was a great course. Super enjoyed. That sounds fun. No, I was very uh, single-minded in university. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that time I had to take a philosophy course and it was like bioethics and it was terrible <laughs> i was literally just thinking on my walk to your house today i was like i 
fucking can't stand philosophy. Mm. And I felt like I was getting too philosophical about my like thoughts on like this, that, and the other. And I was like, Emily, don't do this. You hate philosophy. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's all bullshit. Um, anyways, but the sale of the ginger beer is not bullshit. It is actually quite a significant legal case that really sets like a lot of modern day precedent. And it all revolves around like one cute little meal out at a pub. So let's talk about that if I can get my notes up. Get them up. All right. So the snail in the ginger beer case is the more kind of like colloquial term for an actual legal case that's Donahue versus Stevenson. So this case happens in 1932 in Scotland. Paisley, Scotland, if you want to be specifical. Paisley, Scotland? I know. Is I that not the place? It's adorable. And, like, the name of the pub that this happened in is called the Well Meadow Cafe. Like, how adorable is this? The most. Um, so, this is a case where, let me just tell you the basic facts. So, May Donahue goes to this, like, little cafe pub area, and she has a snack with her friend. Her friend orders a pear ice for herself, and for May, she gets her a Scotsman float, which is ginger beer and ice cream. Yum. I know, it sounds really good, right? That sounds so good. (laughs) So she purchases both of these things. May does not make any of these purchases, but she joins her friend there. Now, they sit down. The owner of the restaurant, or cafe, or whatever, comes over, and he pours the ginger beer on top of her ice cream. She starts eating. She's enjoying. They're having a nice little time. Ladies' night on the town. Mm -hmm. Love this for her. (laughs) As this is happening, she goes and pours more of the ginger beer onto the float, and out of the bottle comes a decomposing snail. No. The most horrific thing that you (gasps) could possibly think of. Like, you know that old adage of, like, what's worse than seeing a worm in your apple? Seeing half a worm in your apple? (sighs) Yes. Like, this is that, but in an extreme, extreme way. So May rightly freaks the fuck out. She's (laughs) like, this is horrible. She feels immediately sick upon seeing, which, like, I know we can all be like, oh, it was just psychosomatic. But, like, yeah, no shit you'd be fucking ill after seeing that. I would be, like, losing my mind. Yeah, decomposing, too, like. Yeah, it's not like, this isn't a live snail just, like, floating around in there. It is, like, full dead, full gross and rotting. Do we have a size on this snail? Like like an average garden snail. I'm holding up a finger to you. It's approximately the size of a chimney. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, so, May's like, what the fuck? This is so gross. She immediately feels, like, kind of grody. So, this is August 26th, 1928 that she goes there. Oh. Now, which is, again, so recent considering what it is i thought it was much 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 earlier but it wasn't um so now she goes to see a doctor on the 29th so that is three days later then september 16th she's admitted to the emergency room for gastroenteritis yes thank you and shock so this isn't just like she felt yucky and decided to make a quick buck because i feel like all too often uh when we look back at these sorts of cases we take this really weird stance of like siding with the company and being like, that's ridiculous. Like how dare you sue for something not being right? It's like not a big deal. Calm down. Like the guy who got, or the lady or whoever it was, that got McDonald's coffee spilled on them. Mm. And then like, no, like that person had like third degree burns and like it was significant, like medical damage or like health damage that they needed compensation for it. Cause they couldn't afford it. Do you think that it's because, like when we were growing up in kind of like the early 2000s, there was that one case about the person who said that they found like a thumb in their chili at Wendy's. 
And then that was proven to be like a hoax. And it was like that they definitely were just out for money and to sue the company. Because I feel like that's always the the case that's stuck in my mind where it's like, it's always assumed that the person is just trying to get like, yeah, make a quick buck. That's so interesting. I've literally never heard of that. Oh yeah. How, and then there's that whole like friends episode of the thumb and the pop or whatever, Yes, which is so interesting. Okay. No, I, I'm sure that has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. I also just think it's like, we're so heavily conditioned by like the marketing and like these like sneaky, like whisper campaigns being like, it's not actually our fault. Don't hate the fact that we've given you whatever, blah, blah, blah. This person's overreacting. Uh, and then in this case specifically, I think it has a lot to do with her social status. Mm. This is a like unwealthy woman in our Scotland who was separated from her husband. Like it was, she didn't have the social standing to kind of like make it a big to do. We'll get into that a little bit more later, but right. it's, yeah, I think it's really easy to disbelieve someone in that kind of a position, but she had significant, like, troubles because of this. She was ill for the remainder of her life. Yikes. Like, it was not something that, like, immediately cleared up. Like, she was in bad health the whole time. And the dick move of Stevenson, who is the man who owned the ginger beer, like, producing place, the mm -hmm. factory. He's like, she probably just had bad health from her, like, life decisions. Which is, like, so shady. So, anyways... We have talked about how her friend ordered this. Also, a peach ice – or, sorry, pear ice sounds really good. That does sound good. I know. So, one thing that we need to note is that the bottle was completely opaque. So, there was no way to verify if there was a snail in it before. That does become important because it's kind of like one of the sticking points of the case, right? Right. Um, now, the other thing is, is the bottle is labeled D. Stevenson Glen Lane Paisley. At this time – bottles were being reused and they weren't necessarily being returned to the correct user. So, or sorry, the correct manufacturer. So there's a chance that this wasn't actually produced by this guy. I mean, we're like very, very positive that it is, but like, anyways, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's so gross. It's I think so gross. The fact that they used to reuse the bottles, like with, like coca-cola and when i was always those glass bottles like they'd reuse them which i guess i like from like a environment standpoint but also like it's the 20s they don't know how to clean things properly that's the thing if it was doing it now you'd bleach the shit out of it and it'd be fine but like then again cleanliness standards were clearly <laughs> not up to stuff so anyways she has incurred significant losses. I'm not sure if there was actual medical bills and expenses that she had to pay or like how that worked, but she couldn't work. And this was a woman who was separated from her husband. So she was on her own trying to support herself and her son. She didn't have time to be taking off work because she was sick. That's like, she can't do it. She can't no. afford it. Yeah. So she then contacts Walter Leachman, who is a lawyer. And on April 9th, 1929. So now we are in a full different year, like almost... I would say 10 months or mm -hmm. nine or 10 months after this where she gets a lawyer involved. So this is clearly something that's going on for like a while. It's not just like I felt sick. I was out, like up in arms. I wrote a shitty letter on Yelp and then like moved on with my life. No, no. This woman is like pissed off and not feeling well. And trying so hard. Like I think we always forget how long like legal cases really take oh God, just yeah. because – I don't know, like cop shows and any legal dramas. It's so sped up, like the timeline. Where it's like, no, these things take years. 
like literally years and you're in hell revisiting this thing. You're incurring costs for the lawyers. All of this is just a shit show. And poor health because you're still sick. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And trying to raise a child and also just like trying to have a nice time, which like <laughs> you're not. It's Scotland yeah. in the 1920s. Um, anyways, so the reason she contacted Leachman was because he had just had a successful case, George versus Skivington. So this is one of the first cases where – a third party who had not actually purchased the product was injured by it. And then when they sued the manufacturer, they won. So oh. this case was one where a man purchased, I believe it was shampoo or like some sort of a hair product for his wife. Mm-hmm. It was incorrectly made. She was injured by it and he sued the company. But even though she was, he was not the injured party that had the contract, i.e. like a purchase between them. Right. So that's really interesting. And she's like, okay, like, I see you've got some success from that one. Like, let's see what you can do for me, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, she was after 500 pounds, which today is $27,000. Well, it's such a small amount of money. I mean, it sounds very small when you say, yes, 500 pounds. But no, 27000 27, Yeah, Yeah, which goes, I guess, a lot farther But also, like... I don't even think 27000 is that much. Like, if she's no. missed, like, a few months of rent or, like, it's now nine months, like, that adds up so quickly. Yeah, definitely. And, like, you're trying to raise a child, you're trying to exist. Like, I don't know. And does Scotland have, like, me- like government-paid medical bills? Like, she must have... I don't know. I was trying to think about yeah. that the whole time, and I was like, I should look this up. And then I subsequently didn't. But anyways. <laughs> Fair um, enough. So anyways, the main issue of this case is that there was no contract between the seller of the ginger beer, which is the owner of the cafe, mm-hmm. Manghella, I-M-N-G-H-E-L-L-A, I don't know, yeah. Minji, uh, and Donahue, that's Mary, May, and that there was no injury to the friend who purchased the product. So there's no contract between either person and the manufacturer, Stevenson, either. So it's just all, like, these kind of broken lines of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um which is very stupid. One of the other issues that historically cases of negligence were viewed as an issue where the product is inherently dangerous. Like it's negligent if we make you dynamite and don't follow the proper steps to make the recipe correctly, uh, then there could be negligence. But because like it's food, it's not a neg, it's a, not an inherently dangerous product, which is something that else is getting challenged in this case is our view of like food production is inherently dangerous and that is something that we need to acknowledge right anyways lord moncrief on june 27th 1930 again this started about two years ago now mm-hmm. uh in he stated i am unhesitatingly of the opinion that those who deal with the production of food or produce fluids for beverage purposes ought not to be heard to plead ignorant of the active danger which will be associated with their products as a consequence of any imperfect observation of cleanliness at any stage in the course of the process of manufacture tainted food when offered for sale is in my opinion amongst the most subtly but potent of dangerous goods and to deal in or prepare such food is highly relevant to infer a duty i fail to see why the fact that the danger has been introduced by an act of negligence and does not advertise itself should release the negligent manufacturer from a duty or afford him a supplementary defense so i think that is the most significant of like now this is how we have to look at food as something that is in modern times inherently dangerous to us and also in historical times we have to remember there is risk associated with consumption which is crazy because thinking back to all of our episodes past like i don't know ice cream is one of the first coming to mind but then also we talked about it with bread too where it's all of that 
companies are making cleaner, safer food and not to trust what's made at home. And it's like, it's not as if people didn't have concerns about food cleanliness at this time or didn't believe that food could be dangerous. It's, it's crazy that, that, but I guess it's just because of this like primacy of men in companies i don't think it's that i think it's that literally the law hadn't caught up yet i think like privately when you're advertising a product or you're thinking about your own like consumption for your family you're thinking okay things that are produced elsewhere are safe and i think that that's almost the point of it all is like yeah we've tricked ourselves into thinking that everything that comes out of a factory is going to be like clean and safe and Mm. they're going to be advertising those sorts of standards but really it's a fucking hellscape with like rodents and snails running around and you just have to hope for the fucking best and like it's good on this dude for acknowledging like yes it is like a very dangerous good to be consuming anyways so basically there was like a bunch of appeals a bunch of times where she was told like nah maybe not uh she took this to the highest court in scotland and on her third appeal i believe which then she had to pursue this in forma pauperis which means with the status of a pauper so she Mm. had to and this is like again not something that is like socially very fun to do to be yeah. like, Hey, I have less than five pounds to my name, the clothes on my back and my convictions, basically that's yeah. what she has to declare. Ugh. Like how fucking horrible. Anyways, uh, she had to do this because she would not in that case be required to pay securities for this. And mm-hmm. her legal team was actually doing it pro bono at this point oh. because they realized, I don't even think it was necessarily out of the kindness, but they realized this was like a groundbreaking case. Right. Like yes. this is the establishment of negligence, basically <laughs> any sort of thing like this. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have another of the judges on it, Lord Atkin, who commented that he did not think a more important problem had occupied your lordships in your judicial capacity, important both because of its bearing on public health and because of the practical test which it applies to the system under which it arises. Like, these old white dudes suck, but, like, at least it's a good quote, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, he it seems like he's on the right side of things, but just like, ugh, I hate that they're all lords. Like, the only way to become a judge is to be nobility the entire like fact that the monarchy still exists is insane but whatever that's fine we don't need to talk about that today yeah we don't have the scope or time we're like frankly the like emotional bandwidth for it (laughs) mostly that um anyways here we have from him again um one of the most famous speeches in terms of law right now Mm -hmm. is at present i contend myself with pointing out that in english law there must be and is some general conception of relations giving rise to a duty of care of which the particular cases found in the books are but instances the liability for negligence whether you style it as such or treat it as in other systems as a species of culpa is no doubt based upon a general public sentiment of moral wrongdoing for which the offender must pay but acts or omissions which any moral code would censure cannot in a practical world be treated so as to give a right to every person injured by them to demand relief in this way rules of law arise which limit the range of complainants and the extent of their remedy the rule that you are to love your neighbor becomes in law you must not injure your neighbor and the lawyer's question who is my neighbor receives a restricted reply you must take reasonable care to avoid acts or omissions which you can reasonably foresee would be likely to injure your neighbor who then in law is my neighbor? The answer seems to be persons who are so closely and directly affected by my act that I ought reasonably to have them in contemplation as being so affected when I'm directing my mind to the acts or omission which are called into question. Huh. 
Yeah, okay. It's this is the thing about law that I always feel like mm. is it's I mean it makes sense because people are terrible, but you have to basically hammer out every single detail of just like don't be a bad per like don't be a dick. Just if don't do things that are going to hurt the people around you. Yeah, I think they tried that system and then it really just ended up with like a lot of people's like hands being cut off or like, you know, being boiled alive in vats of water because I'm pretty sure that was a thing that they did in like ancient like England or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And like, this is the thing. It just sucks so bad that we have to be so concerned about things. But basically what we're getting at here is that somebody just going out to have a nice snack with their friend mm-hmm. turned into like one something that debilitated them for their life. Like the end conclusion of this whole case, she, I believe won, but not the full damages. Right. He died like Stevenson, the guy who produced this before the case was over. So it was paid out on his estate's behalf. Mm-hmm. She like, again, winning is such a like arbitrary, like yes. it's not a win when you've gone through this, but she ended up retiring. She finally left her husband. She raised her son, like that sort of stuff, but she died in a mental institution. Ugh. Like she was not well. No, it was like it was a really rough life for this poor woman, and it certainly wasn't helped by like a two-year legal battle and like a serious health condition. Yes, and I think that's the thing that always gets overlooked in all of these like landmark cases mm-hmm. is it's it's so much work to be setting a precedent. Yeah, I never want to be a precedent. No. I just want to go with the flow, man. <laughs> Yes. It's fucking brutal. So anyways, that happened. But like, why is this case so special that it would be anything else? Because it really just is a snail crawled into a bottle (laughs) and died there, unfortunately. Nobody washed the bottle out properly. And that was the whole thing. They're like, you owe this woman a duty of care, even though she doesn't have a contract with you, because it's reasonable to expect that you would have washed your bottles out. It's reasonable to expect that when you order a Scotsman float, is that what it's called? Yes. You're not going to have a snail as a side dish. gastro and tinnitus and like shock afterwards. Truly horrifying. Snails are so dirty. I feel like we give them a pass more than worms because they've got like a home on their back. I feel like the home makes it so much worse. It's like tucking all the dirt up in there. I just feel like they have like a for some reason we think of them as cute. Like I think snails are cute. I they do. And like people eat them for escargot, so mm-hmm. like we're all super chill with that apparently. It's wild. Did yes. you know that a lot of escargot, like the actual snails aren't like it's such a French dish, but they come from like Indonesia? Yeah. Which makes sense. Duh. Anyways. Yeah. So that is what happened there. And that is the first kind of big food disaster that we're going to talk about. And it is a disaster both for her, but also <laughs> like kind of a win for everybody else. Because now you don't have to worry that there won't be like a legal leg for you to stand on if you get poisoned by some food. Right. Because think of all the times when this happened to other people and then nothing was done about it. This is the other thing. The precedent of this was like so tricky because there was a case literally just before, two cases, sorry, literally just before. One of which was like, what was it? It was some sort of a pop or a Mm. beverage that had mice in it. Dead mice. No. Yeah. And there were two kids that were affected and they lost. And one kid, like in another place that was affected, that won. Mm -hmm. So, like, it was, again, like both of these things set a precedent being like, maybe, maybe not. But this was the one where it's like 
this is it. We've officially settled it. It's done. And it went all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. And like it commented on, like it's the first thing that they teach you in like law classes most of the time. And it is used as like a way of saying like benchmark or like a groundbreaking case. Right. Shorthand is Donahue versus Stevenson. Donahue versus Stevenson. Indeed. (laughs) Um, And now let's just talk very, very briefly about ice cream floats, shall we? I would love to. Yum. Not a disaster at all. Unless it was made by accident? Well, yes, of course, as all good things are. (laughs) So first of all, as like any invention of food is going to have, there's multiple stories of like who invented it. But I'm going to tell you the one that I... I don't know. I'm just going to assume this is right. The most fun one. Yeah, the most fun yeah, one. Of so ice cream floats were said to have been invented in Philadelphia in 1874 by Robert McKay Green in order to attract more customers from a rival um, soda shop owner or pharmacy. Always. Yeah. Yes. So what they were doing is like cream sodas where they would mm. put cream in with like carbonated water and like flavors, but they ran out of uh, the cream. So mm. he's like... Or not ran out. In his mind, he's like, I thought it would be delicious. But really, it was we ran out, so we put ice cream in instead. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the history on that. But it's also said there's, like, four other people that claim that they've invented it. One of them is his shop assistant, too, who was like, yeah, I just made an oopsie, but the customers really liked it. So I went off. It's like, okay, dudes. But this uh, McKay Green guy, he, like, on his tombstone had written, Inventor of the Ice Cream Float. <laughs> Which I thought was very fun. So I people who are so proud of their actions in life that they need to have it put on their tombstone. It's it's a real, it's a vibe. I think what should I have put on mine? It's not going to be like mother, wife, whatever. Because no, I think maybe it'll just be cranky bitch. <laughs> or it could be. Hmm. Ooh, just leave the entire thing blank and it'll just say, you should know. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. Yeah, there you go. Um, or just like the like slice of pizza emoji. Ooh, love that for me. <laughs> yes. I ate five pieces of pizza, as I told you yesterday. It currently is very accurate to my life. <laughs> I feel like yours should say something really ambiguous. Like it should start very traditional being like, Wife, mother, and then something else just like sumo wrestling connoisseur. Ew. I don't know. You'd have to get into it so that that would work, but we could find something. That's true. Mm. Anywho. Uh, and then, yes, ice cream, the Scotsman float is just like a regional variety of it because ginger beer, very popular. Ice cream, very popular. Why wouldn't you just put them together? Delicious. That does sound delicious. I've never had one. Me either. I'm definitely going to try it though. Yes, I've put, I've made like an actual just like beer, beer float. Yeah, the recipe that you're like encouraged to do is Guinness with mm. a shot of espresso and ice cream. Yum. Yeah, yes. delicious, right? It's also very interesting that the original float was with just like cream in, because yeah. it, to me that sounds gross. Well, it's like cream soda, so it's like the syrups and everything and then the carbonation. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't know why. Hmm. I'd try it. I think it'd probably be fine. Yeah, that's all I really had. But now I really want to go get an ice cream float, even though we just had a bunch of pastries. I had so much cake yesterday, too. I've been on a real food tear. <laughs> that's good. It's getting you back in the food mood for pantry staples. Food mood. Indeed. Indeed. As opposed to the rest of summer where I've just hated everything. <laughs> <laughs> what was the best thing you ate over the course of the summer, do you think? Ooh. I don't even know. I feel like... Most summers, I get more into, like, the fresh 
like fruits and stuff, but I feel like I didn't really. Hmm. I don't know. My eating habits are very weird this summer. <laughs> Just like yeah. strange times. I had a very nice nectarine the other day. Oh, hmm. Brittany brought Okanagan nectarines into work mm-hmm. and she's like, do you want one? And I was like, no, because you know, I can't eat a fucking nectarine at work. That's insane. <laughs> Who has the time? No. Who has the emotional bandwidth? <laughs> it's all over your hand. It's all over your face. It's in your teeth. It's a whole scenario. Cut uh, it up is what you do. But anyway. If Actually, I feel like this isn't something we've really talked about, but I'm, like, deeply uncomfortable cutting fruit. But you hate eating things with your hands. Yeah, no, so, like, if you, like, I only recently learned how to cut an apple. Okay. (laughs) So, anyways, (laughs) like, the idea of cutting a nectarine is just, like, insane to me. Okay, so tune in next week when we have uh, more shocking revelations on Emily's lack of basic skills. No, I was going to do an intro to fruit cutting. Ah, uh, yes, that would be very helpful. Shall I play Fruit Ninja to prepare myself? Throwback yeah. to that game. Oh my goodness. Yes, you should. Lovely. Uh, just as an FYI, the best thing that I had this summer mm-hmm. was a grilled peach salad with prosciutto and lots of like little delicious mozzarella. That's Chef's delicious. kiss. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it was super good. I'll post a pic of it. Oh my god, and do you know what we forgot to mention? What? We have merch. Not really. <laughs> Because it's just that we ordered phone cases for ourselves, but they're super cute. So if you want a Pantry Staples phone case, you should get one. Yeah, hit us up at uh, Pantry Staples Pod on Instagram, which you should follow us anyway, because we're a fun time. Or we're not. I've completely stopped posting for the summer because I was too busy having, you know, drunk bitch summer. You know what? Sometimes you need a break. But we're back, everybody. And uh, yes, we'll be back, I guess, in two weeks with another food disaster which i don't know haven't i haven't decided what i'm gonna do yet maybe it'll be the great potato famine who's to say i hope it's the potato famine it probably will be delightful <laughs> all right we love you goodbye <laughs> we'll talk to you next time <laughs> <laughs>